0: Welcome to the Flight About the Church podcast for April 17th, 2011. This is our ongoing series through the book of Mark entitled Journey with Jesus. When King Jesus reigns over this world and your life in an unexpected manner, how do you respond? Let's join Pastor Mark Clothson for his series entitled What were you expecting? Good morning, would you just join me in prayer this morning father in heaven would you open our eyes to the unseen that we would hear from you this morning and we thank you for who you are amen well today is Palm Sunday and it's been pointed out to me that I actually dressed appropriately for the occasion. That was a total mistake, or accident, or I wouldn't call it a mistake, but it certainly wasn't intentional. I'm going to explain the significance of Palm Sunday as we go along uh, a little, here in a little bit. Um, but we're going to conclude our series uh, in the book of Mark that's been titled Journey with Jesus. For about the past year now, about once a month, we've looked at a chapter in the book of Mark, and we've just followed along uh, through the life of Jesus and his ministry, and as we've done that, what we have seen is that when it comes to Jesus, you can expect the unexpected, and today is no different. And to help us capture that, I want to begin with a question, and it's there on your Uh, note sheet. Uh, If you don't have one, uh, would you just take a piece of paper from the rack in front of you, uh, grab a pencil, and we're going to answer a question. Oh, and if your sheet happens to have numbers 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10, you can just cross that out and put 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. My computer knows better than I what numbers I think I need apparently. The question I want you to consider though this morning is this what would you say is the biggest problem you are currently facing you got that kind of got that In your mind and on the paper, then I'd like to ask you a second question. What do you believe would alleviate that problem? Now, I don't want you to pick the pie in the sky if I could just win the lottery answer, all right? I want you to think kind of realistically in the sense of if this were to happen, this problem could be alleviated. What would that answer be? Go ahead and write that on your sheet. So then I want to ask you a third question as you think about that problem and as you think about what would alleviate that problem, let me ask you this. What are you expecting from Jesus? What are you expecting? The incarnate Son of God who is King of kings and Lord of lords To do in that situation. Well, today, as we examine the events of Holy Week, we're going to see that Jesus does not kowtow to our expectations. Because Jesus is not the King you expect. He is the king you need. 2,000 years ago on Palm Sunday, the Jews living in and around the surrounding area of Jerusalem, they had a huge problem. And that problem was oppression because of the Roman Empire's occupation of their lands. By this time in history, Israel had been deported to Babylon, and though under Persian rule that overtook Babylon, they had been returned to the promised land, kingdom after kingdom had warred through that land, and they had been uh, oppressed and not able to rule themselves sovereignly. It had been a long time since the glory days of King David and King Solomon when Israel had entered the promised land and had built magnificent structures in worship of the Lord Most High. Now, they were under this occupation by the Roman Empire and the Romans were cruel. The Romans were... (sighs) corrupt, (laughs) and oftentimes they were just kind of random in their rulership. Uh, Think of it this way. You you and I just experienced the April 15th tax deadline. You do remember that, don't you? It, It came on Friday, so you might be lucky. You can zip home and take care of that by Monday. But we just paid our taxes. Well, how would you like it if on tax day The tax collector showed up at your place, surveyed your records, took a look at everything that you had, and said, You owe this much. And there was no basis for his decision other than what he chose to do. And if you didn't pay, he had the authority to throw you in jail, he could sequester your property, he could do whatever he wanted. That's why as you read through the Bible, tax collectors are not smiled upon. (laughs) Roman soldiers were no better. They could legally force you to do just about anything they wanted you to do. And what is amazing is that the Caesars, it was not uncommon at all for the Caesars on a whim to decide to have their subjects do something. Like, leave your where you're living and travel all the way back to your hometown just because I want to know how many of you there are just random stuff and so as we come to Mark chapter 11 basically we find the people under oppression they've got this huge problem and there is a lot of tension going on but Jesus has been performing Acts of God's promised Messiah. And finally, when we hit chapter 11, the story of the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, we see Jesus allowing his swelling popularity with the crowds to crescendo into this climactic event of the son of King David, King Jesus riding into the Jews' capital city of Jerusalem with all the pomp and circumstance of a presidential inauguration. The king is coming. Let's take a look at it here in Mark chapter 11. It's on the back of your sheet. And it says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, And Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Tell him, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. And they went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying the colt? And they answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. Now, we just need to capture a little bit of significance here before we continue on. You see, for Jesus to ride a colt into Jerusalem fulfills the prophecy about the, that happening back in Zechariah nine. Where it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, a, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. In, in ancient uh, times, riding, or if you were going to do something sacred, and an animal was involved, the animal needed to have not been used for common use. Okay? So we've got an unridden, full of a donkey, which is going to fulfill the prophecy about the coming king. And furthermore, we don't think of it this way, but in King David's day, riding a donkey was a very noble act. And kings would ride into situations on donkeys especially when they were coming with a message of peace. All right? So you got a whole bunch of significant stuff going on here just as it relates to this donkey, and everybody who's there on the sidelines seeing this, they get it, and they're going, oh, this is big. This is big. Well, let's keep going. It says, when they brought the colt to Jesus... And threw their cloaks over it. He sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Now, uh, throwing your cloak on the road—that was basically—that was basically a uh, act of reverence. Indicating your willingness to have him have everything you had. We are sick of the Romans taking what they want, but we will glad you, gladly give you, Jesus, everything we have. And palm branches, well, that goes back to the whole Maccabean revolt thing 150 years uh, earlier where the people revolted and palm branches were kind of waved in that And so the people are going, yeah, the glory days are coming again. It's kind of like waving your team's flag. We're taking this one. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means save us we plead with you to save us we need your help the blessed statements there those are a recognition of King David's line and recognition that this individual rightfully has that and is God's deliverer it's big, it is bigger than any little palm frond we'd throw up for decoration it's huge and everybody there on that day they got it and they were excited about it and so here we see in all this excitement we see that the king arrives Just as we want him to arrive, just like we would expect him to arrive. You see, on Palm Sunday, King Jesus is in control. Back up in those earlier verses, he says, Go and you're going to find this stuff. And they go. And guess what? They find it. This guy knows everything, he is in control. Furthermore, on Palm Sunday, King Jesus is obeyed. He says, go. And they just go. And he says, this is what's going to happen? And they say to the dudes, "Uh, Jesus needs it? Okay. I mean, people are listening to Jesus. And on Palm Sunday, King Jesus is honored. Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. We throw our cloaks down before you. We worship you. So Jesus the son of King David with great pomp and circumstance enters Jerusalem the king's city and verse 13 says he went to the temple and he looked around at everything. And in the days that followed, we find this king who's in control, obeyed, and honored. We find him cleaning up his city. He clears the wicked money changers out of God's temple. He confronts the self-centered leaders of the day. He is himself confronted about his authority, his identity, his own subservience to Caesar and to the Roman tax and as all this stuff is going on the tension is just building it's just winding up tighter and tighter and tighter and by the time we get to Thursday we are ready for something to break the people are certainly ready for something to break it's time for the iron fist of the king of kings to come down and for revolution to break out, and once again for freedom to reign as it did in the days of King David. But something very unexpected happens. Jesus stops the revolution. The court is convened, and in chapter 15, 1 through 5, it says very early in the morning, The chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. And we find ourselves in a very unexpected place, for all of a sudden it appears that the king is not in control. Those wicked rulers bound him and led him away. Furthermore, it appears that the king is not obeyed. Pilate asks him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, Yes. And Pilate doesn't care. He doesn't even stutter in his steps. He just keeps doing whatever it is he wants to do. And in verses 16 through 20, we find words and descriptions of honor Hail, king of the Jews! Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. Yet, when you read it in the context, it says the soldiers led Jesus away into the place, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head, with a staff, and they spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. And so it would appear that the king is not honored. Honored. And the response of the disciples is utter bewilderment over the expected king. I mean, on Palm Sunday, they were laying their cloaks on the road as he entered. They were standing at his right hand as he confronted the wickedness of the Jewish leaders. And they were ready to draw swords for battle in the garden. But when Jesus halts that attack... Everyone deserted him and fled. Peter will deny him three times and experience great sorrow. Later on, we'll find the disciples huddled in a room afraid. We'll find others on a road confused. And finally, we will see them retreating back to the work they had done before Jesus called them to be fishers of men holy week and the passion of the Christ reveal that Jesus is not the king you expect not at all but next week we're going to celebrate Easter you and I have insight into these events that they didn't and we look back on these events with 2020 hindsight, though it appears from that Good Friday that Jesus is not in control, that he is not obeyed, that he is not honored, the fact of the matter is quite the contrary. The timing of the events which brought Jesus to that Palm Sunday and through the events of Holy Week, it is impeccable. No mortal man could so orchestrate the exacting detail of that week. Peter says in Acts 2.22, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you. Do you see it? by God's set purpose and foreknowledge and you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross and when we look back into the Old Testament we find verses that foretell the suffering Savior in exact detail which Jesus fulfilled perfectly verses like Isaiah 53.7 as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In fact, Jesus himself told his disciples plainly in Mark 8 that he must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. And what I find to be amazing is the thing that amazed Pilate Jesus could have responded to Pilate's interrogation and stopped the whole thing. A simple word. uh, I think we made a mistake here. It's all it would have taken. But he didn't. Instead, Jesus is determined to be a crucified king. Why? 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 I want you to look back on your sheet at that answer you wrote under number one. What would you say is the biggest problem you're currently facing? If you put down anything other than my sin, you are mistaken. Why? Why? 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Why did he do that? Because Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Isaiah 53 says, 53.6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And Ephesians 2.1 and 3 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the way of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature objects of God's wrath. To understand this better, I want to show you a clip from the movie Fireproof, where a dad is trying to help his grown son, who's on the brink of divorce, understand the significance of his sin as it relates to his life situation. I hope that you heard the message about what our sin does between us and the Lord, and I hope you heard how that plays out in our relationships with other people. Sin separates us from the love of God and it messes up everything. And so Jesus is not the simple king you expect. He's the king you need. Because only a crucified king deals with your sin Hebrews 9.22 says without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness and Isaiah 53.5 and 6 says he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed but nobody wants a crucified king each and every one of us are like those early disciples we want King Jesus to come in on a white horse and conquer our situation and vindicate us before everybody but what we so often fail to realize is that if Jesus comes and and conquers our situation before he comes and is crucified, then he would conquer us also. Because each of us in our sin is part of that problem we so desperately want conquered. Our sin requires his vindication. Now, there's a hitch, sort of. I mean, Jesus is the conquering king. Through his crucifixion, he conquered sin. Next Sunday, Easter, we'll see that his resurrection conquers death. You don't got to be afraid to die because Jesus did it and he rose from the grave. And so will you if you trust him. And in Revelation it makes it clear that later a day is coming when he will return on that white horse with that flaming sword. And he will conquer everyone and everything who has not embraced him by faith. And his righteousness will be once and for all vindicated for all time. But you do not want to face that day when Jesus comes as the conquering king until you face the day that he is your crucified king. You do not want to face that day. So here's the crucial question. Will you trust this crucified king? If you have never said my sin is my biggest problem and I need Jesus crucified to deal with my sin so I can embrace and express the love of God. If you've never done that, would you just choose to do that right now? (laughs) There, There on your handout, I think there's room at the bottom. Would you just write a note to God? And in your own words, would you tell him, My sin is my biggest problem, and I need Jesus? Today, I'm trusting Jesus with my sin, and I'm trusting Jesus with my life. Would you write that note to God today? and please please don't be too proud to put paper to pencil because somebody next to you might see that you need Jesus. We all need Jesus. Would you tell him that? Now, this next question is a little more difficult. Will you trust this crucified king? And no, I did not just lose my place. Perhaps you are here and you've already expressed that yeah, I need to trust Jesus, but things are not going the way you expect. Perhaps the economy is killing you. Perhaps your marriage is killing you. Maybe it's your kids or your parents. I don't know. But I do know this. You are not alone. Godly men and women throughout history have faced the problems you're facing. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will provide a way of escape so you can stand up under it. My friends, Jesus does not conquer our problems the way we expect. Instead, He allows them. But He works through them to display His grace so we will be transformed into His image and demonstrate His sacrificial love. And I think we got to ask ourselves a question. Do I want to be like Jesus? Do I want to be gentle? Do I want to be meek? Do I want to love people who hate me? That process looks nothing like being vindicated by a conquering king. It looks like a suffering servant whose personal agenda is crucified again and again and again. So don't give up. Don't give up. Be confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Don't forsake meeting together with other Christians as some are in the habit of doing. Don't withhold generous tithing from the first that God blesses you with. Don't neglect prayer and the study of God's word don't tell your spouse, I quit. Don't tell your kids, whatever. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Turn the other cheek. Live as Jesus lived and love your enemies. Wow. The love of God is not what we expect. And the way we experience it is through Jesus Christ. Nothing else will do. And it doesn't look like you want it to. Would you pray with me? God when I look back on my life as you have led it man I I just see you time and time again saving me in ways that I would have never thought and yet God it seems like every time I face a new situation where I don't know what the future holds I get scared and I want you to be the conquering king and you never do it the way I want it done And I just want to thank you on this Palm Sunday that Jesus is the King crucified so I don't have to be. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Flight of Baptist Church podcast. To stay connected, Or for more resources, visit our brand new website at phillida.org.